You're listening to audio from Hardin Baptist Church. For more audio content or other information about our church, please visit hardenbaptist.org. Amen. Wow. If you have your Bibles open to Genesis chapter 1, Corey spoke from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Last week on my way home from preaching at First Baptist Church Mayfield, I actually had one of their church members tell me that they listen to Corey and I preach every Sunday on the radio after they leave their service. And I thought, wow, I can just turn the radio on. So from my trip to Mayfield to home, I got to listen to Corey preach of Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. I have to be honest. His sermon was a little longer than my trip, so I had to stay in the driveway just a little bit to catch the ending of it. Don't know why he preaches so long from time to time, but anyway. Hey, have you guys ever had one of those just really, really good weeks? I mean, it was just a really, really good week. Can I just brag on the Lord a little bit? Slice and I had a really, really good week. I mean, we started last Sunday. I got to worship with First Baptist Church Mayfield while you were worshiping here. I got to share the main thing, is to keep the main thing, the main thing. And then last Sunday night, Super Bowl Sunday, we got to go to Michael and Jen's house as a family. And while other than the 49ers losing, that's Michael's favorite team. We just had an awesome, awesome time. And then Monday... Salisa and I got to drive to Nashville, Tennessee. We got to catch a plane and we got to fly over part of the United States and land in Arizona, get in a rented car and drive to Casa Grande, Arizona because the next day we were going to get to be with Eric and Brittany on the T.O. Nation of Native American people. And we got to Casa Grande and I didn't have a motel reservation. Finally, after going to four different hotels and nobody having a reservation, it came down between a motel called the Saddle and Shoe and a Super 8. We chose the Super 8, had a great night's stay, got up the next morning, wow! Got to visit the Sonoran Desert, the T.O. people, about five different villages, communities with Eric Brittany, had an awesome, awesome time, came back to the Super 8, next morning drove into Phoenix and got to witness the commissioning service of Winston and Dawn from Hardy Baptist Church. I don't know that Salise and I have ever sat through a more inspirational service than that service to hear Dr. Paul Chitwood challenge all of us who were there as president of the IMB was just absolutely amazing. And then Thursday, get to go to the airport, fly home on a sunny day. Now, can I just say we fly southwest and we had a good boarding position, A14 and 15, and Salisa wanted a window seat, which means I had a choice because I'm an aisle guy, but I really didn't want another man sitting beside my wife on the plane, so I had to get in the middle seat, but sitting in the middle seat, kind of snuggling up to her a little bit, I got to look out the window for that two and a half hours, and wow, got to see a different perspective of the Sonoran Desert. 
Got to fly over a landscape that I just don't see. Got to that mighty Mississippi River after seeing no water for days from 30,000 feet. Then come into those hills of West Tennessee. It was glorious. And then to finally land and get in my pickup truck with Mimish, her driving, and we went to E-Town. Wow. My week just got better. Friday, I got to sit on the bench with Coach Joey, and I got to witness the New Covenant Lions win their semifinal state basketball game, and we advanced to the finals on Saturday. Wow. Saturday? Hey, guys. Now, I don't know if y'all know this, but in 1948, Brewers won a state basketball championship. And I want you to know Saturday afternoon when that game ended, all of us from Hardin, Kentucky knew exactly how Brewers felt when we raised our hands in celebration because we got to witness the New Covenant Lions winning the state basketball championship in Christian Division II. It was absolutely amazing. And then Saturday night, to get to drive home, and then get to open my Bible and just begin to remind myself of what I've got to feast on all week from Genesis chapter 1. Can I just say that Mimish and I had a very, very good week. If you don't mind to take your Bibles and stand with me and open to Genesis chapter 1, because we're going to talk about somebody else's week, not my week. We're going to talk about God's week. We're going to talk about what Moses reveals in what we're going to call creative week. From Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, and we're going to go all the way to verse 3 of Genesis chapter 2. And here's what we're going to try to do. This is not going to be a six or seven week sermon series on Genesis chapter 1, unless Corey so chooses to do that. We're just going to get into a plane this morning, and we're, as best of our ability, we're going to fly over the landscape. Because... Moses summarizes, highlights creation week in just a little over one chapter. That's amazing. Now, if you want a more detailed study of creation, Corey's going to be talking to different people this week from our church who have spent a lot of time studying this from a biblical perspective and a science perspective. And you're going to hear him interview people like Jeffrey Young, Jackson Greer, Jimmy Slack. And you'll be able to tune into those podcasts this week. Brother Ricky's not getting into all that stuff. Don't want to make no enemies this morning. But I just want us to see the big picture because that's what Moses is doing here. He's giving us the big picture of creation. And I hope we can agree on what we're going to present this morning to you from the Word of God. Publica, we're going to read verse 2 of Genesis chapter 1. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. That's not a good earth. Now let's go to verse 31. And God saw everything that he had made. 
and behold, it was very good. Amen. God, add your blessing to the reading of this year word as we try to unpack from 30,000 feet the spiritual topographical landscape. Oh, it's historically true. The Father Moses didn't give us a lot of detail, but he sure told us what you did. And every one of us here this morning hang on this truth of what you did. Father, when we come to the end of the creation story, I hope all of us see that Moses kind of left the door open for a thought that maybe some of us hadn't thought about. I don't even know if he realized he left the door open because sometimes I go out of the house and don't realize I left the door open. But we believe he wrote this under the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. So when this is over, I pray each one of us will explore this open door that the creation account may be challenging us with. In your precious, precious son's name. Now, Father, do not let us be hearers only, but let us be doers of your word. And that includes me as the speaker. I don't want to be a speaker only. I want to be a doer of your word. And it's in your precious, precious son's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. In the beginning, God created the universe. As Corey shared last week, the Hebrews did not have a word for universe. But they had a word for heavens and they had a word for earth. And so here's what Moses tells us as the Bible opens. In the beginning, God created the universe. But he doesn't focus on the actual creation of the universe. Most of our story is going to focus only on the earth. So please hear this, my opinion. We have an earth perspective here. Does not cancel out God creating the universe, he did, but that's not the author's intention. And when he starts talking about God's creative week, if I can use that term, we'll talk about creative days. The earth was nothing like what it was in Moses' day. May surprise many of us, but when creation story begins, the earth, no form. It's formless. It's empty. It's void. No order to it, seemingly. Darkness everywhere on the face of the deep. But there's hope. Moses, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, tells us that the Spirit of God 
was hovering over the face of the water. So instead of an earth as we know it, we have this watery, gaseous mass that has no form and it's empty and it's dark. But the Spirit of God's there. Now, I do not believe Spirit of God here is referring to just the presence of God as an Spirit of God, the presence of God, so to speak. Now, I want to be honest with you. I do not do like many people do. I do not start in the Old Testament and interpret my New Testament in light of the Old Testament. I interpret my Old Testament in light of the New Testament. Does that make sense? The full revelation of God shines in the New Testament, not the Old Testament. Does not mean what the Old Testament talks about is not true. It's true. But it's types and shadows. The sun doesn't break out until the person of Jesus Christ comes. He's the full and final revelation of God. We all agree. So if I'm reading this as a Jew, I just see this as the presence of God, so to speak. The Spirit of God. Because I believe there's one God. I believe there's one God, but yet the New Testament teaches our one God is three persons. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And I believe here the Bible is telling us that the third person of the triune Godhead is here. Hovering over this earth that's without form and it's void. And that gives me as the reader hope immediately. Amen. And then, watch this, verse 3. And God said. Now you already know we're going to have six creative days. And if we follow the natural order of this passage, each one of those days is going to begin with this phrase, and God said, and God said, and God said. And then on the third day, God speaks twice. Then on the fourth day, he speaks once again. And on the fifth day, he speaks again. But on the sixth day, he speaks twice again. But the last time he speaks, it doesn't say, and God said, it says, then God said. So I want you to see there's going to be this pattern that's going to emerge during creation week. It's important we see this. God said. Here's what he literally says in the Hebrew. If we translated this strictly from the Hebrew, light be. God said, light be. Guess what happened? Light was. Amen? Now, after this, we're going to see every time God speaks, we're going to see this little phrase, and it was so, and it was so, and it was so, and it was so, and it was so. When God speaks, he brings creation into existence. Wow. But catch this magnitude. God just said, light be, light was. Now, the psalmist, they're going to write a whole song about God as creator, and they're going to tell us that God commanded, and when God commanded, it came into existence, and it's going to teach that by the word of the Lord, the universe was created. Matter of fact, when we come to Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to learn this. By faith, we all understand that the universe was created by God out of nothing. Amen? It was created by the word of God. 
Now, I can ask you this question. If we're going to read this in light of the New Testament, who is the Word of God? It's Jesus. John chapter 1, verse 1 through 3 begins this way. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then John's going to tell us this. There wasn't anything created that wasn't created through the Word. And in the Word was life, and the life was the light of men. Colossians chapter 2 is going to teach us that God didn't create anything without creating it through Jesus and for Jesus. So get this picture when the Bible says, and God said, God is bringing about the creation on the first day of life through the person of the second person of the Godhead, Jesus, because the spirit of God is already there hovering over this earth that's formless and empty. So we've got the work of the Father, we've got the work of the Son, we've got the work of the Holy Spirit in creation, just as the New Testament's going to reveal the God of redemption is the work of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Please note this. We get a glimpse into this account that Moses didn't have, but we have. Because we read our Old Testament through the lens of the New Testament because God fully shines the light in the New Testament. Amen? Get this picture. God's just created light on this earth that's dark and without form and it's empty. And when God saw, he made light. He said, it's good. Wow. Now, the Bible doesn't say wow, but I think God said wow. And you know what God did? He separated the light that he made from the darkness. And he calls the light day, and he calls the darkness night. Now, we're going to see this pattern. God's the predominant person in the creation story. And to show his sovereignty as God, he names what he creates and it shows his dominion and sovereignty over what he creates. And so he names the light day and then he names the darkness that was already there night. And then here's a pattern. And evening came and morning came. My ESV says the first day. Hebrew scholars say this should say day one. Now, you and I know that the Jewish people start their day at twilight because of the Genesis story. Evening came and morning. We don't do that as Christians in America. You ever notice our day starts in the middle of the night? Most of the time when we're asleep. And so we wake up today. Now, don't want to burst anybody's bubbles, but many Hebrew scholars tell me that this is not trying to start a literal day at evening and going to morning. It's just saying there was evening and there was morning. First day. Now, I want us to think about this logically. 
If the earth was without form and void and the Spirit of God's there and there's darkness already there and God creates light and he calls that day, it's just natural that night comes before day in the creation story. God's not creating darkness. It's already there in the creation story. Does that make sense? Now, Let's get the elephant in the room out in public. We've already seen day used two two ways. Day here is referring to part of the day that we call day, which is that period when the sun shines on the earth and we can see what we're doing, right? And that's just part of a day. So day here is used to talk about part of a day, the daylight hours of the day. But then at the end, when it combines darkness and light, night and day, it's referring to a longer period of day that we usually refer to as 24 hours. Everybody agree? But then when we come to the end of the creation story and we start the next generation in Genesis 2, 4, it's going to tell us that God's going to go back and Moses is going to tell us about the day in which God created the heavens and the earth. But day there is not referring to 24 hours because they're referring to the day God created the heavens and earth. And when God created the heavens and earth, we're already told it's six days. So day can't be 24 hours. It's got to be a longer period of time. Makes sense. So because of this, some people believe, and there's many in this church who believe this, that God created and the creation days are literally 24-hour days, and there were six of them. But others believe, because there's another revelation of God that the Bible doesn't mention here in this passage, there's another revelation that God gives, not special revelation, but general revelation, God's revelation in nature, so that when people look through a telescope and study God's creation... They believe the days may have been a little longer than literally 24-hour days. And so there's different views. We have people in this church who believe differently. Corey's going to interview different people who believe differently. You're going to get to hear their opinions. Brother Ricky's not getting into that this morning. So don't you read young earth or old earth into what Brother Ricky's saying this morning when I talk about a creative day. But I want to say this. I do not believe those of you who believe in a young earth that you should look at someone who believes in an older earth and believe they're not a Christian. And I don't believe you old earth people are to look down at your noses at those people who believe in a literal six-day creation. This is not something that should divide us as the church of God. Now, you know we don't all believe eschatology the same way, and you know most of you are wrong on your eschatological view of the Bible if you don't believe the way Brother Ricky believes. But you have not quit coming to Harden because you disagree with me. Because here's what we know about eschatology. Whether we're pre, post, or all, we all believe Jesus is coming again. And same way with creation. We all believe in the church that God is creator. 
Amen? So don't read into Brother Ricky when you hear me talk about a creation day. I believe in a creation day. And on day one, God said, let there be light. And you know what immediately happened? There was light. And what God did the rest of that day, regardless if it was 24 hours or a thousand years or a million years, I don't know. But here's what I know. When he said, let there be light, there was light. And he called the light day. And then God speaks again. And when he speaks again, here's what he does. He says, I want there to be a canopy. I want there to be a firmament. I want there to be something that separates the waters above from waters below. And guess what? It was so. It was so. God fashioned a firmament. And then he named the firmament heaven. Now, just as there was three possibilities for day, heaven in the biblical world referred to three different things. There was the first heaven that talked about what we call the atmosphere, where the birds are and where we can still breathe in. And then there was that second heaven, which we call outer space. And then there was that third heaven where God is. Paul actually talked about being translated into the third heaven. He's talking about the abode of God. Now, I don't think any of us believe here that God created his home here. And I don't believe any of us believe he's talking about outer space here. So on day two, when God said, let there be a firmament, he's talking about let there be an atmosphere. Let there be a division of the waters. So that we have the waters above and we have the waters below. Because remember, the earth is not anything like we see it right now at this time. And then God named the firmament sky, or he named the firmament heaven. He named it what we'd call atmosphere. And then evening and morning come, and it's day two. Now watch this. God never said it was good. (gasps) After this day, he's going to start talking about it being good, what he does. But on this day, it's not good. Didn't say it's not good. He just doesn't say it's good. So what's this implying? Here's what I think it's fine. Moses is leading us to believe that there's an order to creation so there's something to follow next that's really, really important. And that doesn't happen in the second creative day. It happens on the third creative day. And on the third creative day, God speaks again. And when God speaks this time, here's what he says. He addresses the waters below and he's talking about the waters that cover the earth and he wants all of those waters to get together and all be in one place seas oceans rivers lakes ponds creeks and he wants there to be dry land and guess what it was so it was so and it's good and you know what he calls The water, he calls them seas. You know what he calls the land? He calls it earth. And it's good. But watch this. Day doesn't end. God's going to speak again on day three. And when God speaks again on day three, listen to what he says. He says, now I want the earth. I want the land to sprout, bring forth living vegetation. 
plants that bear seeds, trees that bear seeds after its own kind. And guess what? It happened. But how did it happen? I don't know that this is important, but I want you to watch this. On day one, God said, let there be light. Light just was. Day appeared alongside night. Day two, God fashions what he said he wanted to have happen. But on day three, after the seas all get together and the land appears, he makes this command. Let the earth bring forth. And it was so. And then the next statement is, and the earth brought forth. Doesn't say God made. Doesn't say God created. Now y'all know I like to farm, right? Love being a pastor. Love my sheep. But one of my biggest enjoyments is just when it starts getting this time of the year, knowing really, really soon, going to get the tractor out, the disc out, the planter out, and going to just get to plant a crop and going to get to watch the earth do what the earth does in, in growing that crop. And then hopefully in the fall, there'll be a, a good harvest. The picture here, if I'm reading this right, may be a picture of this. God doesn't plant trees. And God doesn't plant grass. Because here's what the Bible says. God told the earth to bring forth things. And guess what the earth did? It brought forth things. Which means when God created the land, he created the land with the ability to sprout trees and alfalfa. And Kentucky fescue. And all kinds of things. So there's this picture on this day three that I love as a farmer. And the picture here is, is God's in heaven. Not just outside of time. He's inside of time. He's working with this earth. And he's watching this earth do what he designed it to do. And that start growing things. Now don't read anything into this statement. But the farmer in me never wants to plant on Monday and harvest on Tuesday. What fun would that be? Oh. I like to watch it grow. And I want you to get this picture of God as creator who created an earth and ordained things to grow and now things are growing on the planet because God does not want things on the planet to be Empty, he wants the planet to be full. And the first thing we're told he wants it to be full of is green life, plant life, forest life. Is this awesome? Now I think we know what God's getting ready to do, right? But see this order, and it's good, and this is now day three. Now we start day four. God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. Okay, whoa. We already have a light that separates day from night. 
I mean, that was day one. God said, let there be day, and there was day. And then he separated day from night. Now he's making another command to let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens. I think this is a little further out than the atmosphere. This is talking about that second layer of heaven. Everybody agree? To separate the day from the night and let them be for signs, for seasons, for days and years and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And then it says God made the greater light and God made the lesser light and the stars. Now again, watch me. This is the pastor in me. This is the Bible student in me. The emphasis here under the Holy Spirit leading Moses seems to be the earth. And the perspective is earth. The perspective is not space, even though it's talking about space. Because here's what it says. On this day, we got a big light and we got a little light. That's the sun and the moon. Everybody agree? And then we got afterthought, the stars. How many of us would call the sun the big light? Well, all of us would call the sun the big light. If you're looking at the earth. But if you're looking at the universe, have y'all read some of the statistics about how small our sun really, really is compared to some of the other light sources in the universe? Those little bitty tiny lights that look like specks in the sky are really, really bigger than our sun. This is not contradicting science. This is giving us a different perspective and the perspective is earth. Here's what I don't want us to lose sight on. On day four, God's telling us that this life he's planting on earth, he wants there to be order. He wants there to be signs. He wants there to be seasons. He wants there to be days. He wants there to be years. There's already been three days. Creative days. And now we're on the fourth day. So when we look up at our sun and we look up at our moon and we see all those stars out there, God put those there for signs of his glory, of his design, of his intelligent design of the universe. That's why the psalmist says the heavens declare the glory of God. But I want to say this too. If you're a farmer, you know a little bit about these signs that are just astronomical astronomically true I was raised on a pig farm for you city folks this is going to be gross but there was a time several times a year where my papa would say hey Ricky we're going to cut hogs tomorrow that meant we were going to take the male part of the pig out of him so that he was no longer a male but he was neutral and he could be wanting to be around females and we'd make a little cut and we'd pull that out and then we'd cut it off. My papa called them mountain oysters. He loved them. I've never eaten mountain oysters. I just want y'all to know that. But I want y'all to get this picture. There'd be a time when I'd say, hey, papa, why don't we cut them today? Why are we going to wait till tomorrow? Because I love cutting hogs. Yeah, sorry. I shouldn't have told y'all that. You know what my papa would say? He'd say, it's not the right sign. 
I said, what do you mean? And he'd go to the house and he'd pull out a farmer's almanac and he would show me that on this day we should not cut hogs. And I'd argue with him. So you know what he did one day to me? One day when it was not the right sign, we, anyway, we cut a hog and when we put that razor blade on the hog, blood went everywhere. And that pig, God bless it, we stressed it. Next day when we were supposed to cut that hog, Hardly any blood at all. You ever been a farmer? Ever heard a farmer talk about planting a field and not getting finished and the next day finishing the field? And when he harvested the field, one side of the field yielded different than the other side of the field. Sometimes 20, 30, 40 bushels difference. Did you know that the guy who used to win the national corn contest in America always planted his corn in the sign of planting corn? And he won the corn contest every year. I've actually seen it from my very own eyes. You can look up the farmer's almanac and it'll tell you when you should plant corn. And if you plant corn in the signs, it'll yield more corn than if you don't plant in the signs. There's just something about God's creative universe that nature has been designed to help us. It points us to God and who he is as creator. This just didn't happen. It wasn't random. It's got a design behind it. There's seasons to our year. There's specific days. There's years. Now here's the problem. We've already got night and day. So why is God creating a sun, moon, and stars? And which day did he create them? Which means if he really created them now, as some people believe, what was the light that he created on day one? And what was that actual day? What was that light source? And why wasn't that light source good enough? Why did he now have to do this? Some of my most trusted Hebrew scholars tell me that what God did on day one is he created light, but the source of the light was veiled because of the gaseous waters that surrounded the earth in that primordial mode was so dense that the light of the sun was already there because it was there when he created the universe. Now he's focusing on the earth and the earth just can't, see its source and you don't see the source today for not saying that's true not saying that's true at all I don't know but here's what we do know on day four there's a visible sun there's a visible moon there's visible stars and all of a sudden we now know the source of light to the earth that God's ordained. It's kind of like on that cloudy day, four days in a row, sun never breaks through, but you have light every day, right? But if someone just showed up on the planet, they wouldn't know what the source of that light was because you can't see it from the planet. I'm not arguing that's true. I'm just saying, let's be careful when we label each other non-believers 
because we might have a different opinion on a few things about creation. Day five, you ready for this? Day five, God takes those seas and he commands them to bring forth marine life and he tells the atmosphere to start producing birds and he puts birds in the sky, he puts fish in the sea and God does what my wife does. He talked to the animals. He blessed them saying, be fruitful, multiply, fill the seas, fill the air and guess what the animals did? They did it. Now, y'all ready for this? Day six. We got to hurry. We got 12 seconds. Not going to make it. But I'm going to try. Y'all ready? We are landing the plane. Day six. God again tells the earth to bring forth living creatures. And then he describes the living land animals that he wants to come forth. And then the Bible says, not what it says on Day three, God didn't let the earth just bring them forth. It says God made the animals. Got this? God makes the animals. And then God speaks again, and this time he says, let us make man in our own image. And when we make man in our own image, let's make a male and female. And then he speaks to the male and female, and Blesses them, tells them to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, take control over it. Wow. And then he tells the couple, hey, all of this vegetation that I'm growing that's got seeds, I want you to eat that. And then he talks about the plant life that's there. He said, that's for the animals. And then God looked at everything that he had made. And said, it's very good. And evening and morning came. And it's day six. Now, is everybody ready? I don't want to offend anybody here. But if there was one part of this story that would make me kind of believe that maybe this is not talking about literal 24 hours, it'd be this part of the day. Can I be honest with you as your pastor? I know this is going out on the internet and you're going to get stories about your pastor. But I know chapter two is going to talk about God creating man on the sixth day. And on day one, it sounds like he just made a male and female, but on day two, we're, I mean on chapter two, we're going to find out he didn't make male and female at the same time. Everybody agree? Now get this picture. Part of the daylight hour, he's made all the animals. Everybody agree? Then he decides to make man, male and female. Genesis 2, that's Adam and Eve. Everybody agreed? But here's what happens. God chooses this special place on the planet as a garden for him, and God starts telling the earth to start bringing forth habitation. But there's nobody on the planet to work the habitation, so he creates a man in his own image, breathing to him the breath of life. Man becomes a living soul. And God tells that man, hey, don't you eat of that tree, but you can eat of all the other trees. But I want you to tend my garden. I want you to rule over the kingdom of animals. 
And Adam starts doing that. He's a farmer. Wow. He's farming. You don't get your farm work done in a day ever. You don't go to work, you're surrounded by work. Amen? So here he is, he's having a great time. He's farming, he's enjoying life. And then all of a sudden God looks down and says, you know it's not good that he's by himself. He needs a helper on the farm. So what does God do? So that he knows, see he doesn't know yet that it's not good. He's thinking it's good. So what does God do to get him to realize it's not good? He brings all the animals before him and he brings all the animals before him and he starts naming all the animals. Now tell me how long it would took Adam to name all the animals. It took a little while, right? I hope you don't think he just went zebra, elephant, rhino. No, he used his mind. He thought about this. The Bible doesn't say how long, but he's naming all of these animals. He names all those, not the animals of the whole world, but the animals there in his location. And then all of a sudden, he's realizing, whoa, all these animals have a opposite sex than them. And I think he starts realizing, whoa, it's just me. And you know what God does? God put him to sleep. God took one of his ribs, did a surgery. Creates a woman, brings her to him. They get married, they have a honeymoon. They're naked in the garden and they're not ashamed of it. Now, let me ask you this question. Guys, now, this is Brother Ricky, not as a pastor. This is not Brother Ricky as a scientist. This is Brother Ricky as just a male. I just believe if God put me in the garden instead of Adam with this desire to farm like I desire to farm, woo-wee, would I have had a big time. I'd been growing crops, I'd been harvesting hay, I'd be out there fishing, I'd be out there hunting, I'd be having a glorious time. Now, no disrespect to Salisa, but I want to believe I'd been there at least 10, 12, 15 years before I realized I needed somebody to help me on the farm. Amen? Now, I just want y'all to know, all you guys agree with me, right? I just want y'all to know, a few years ago when I was studying this, I turned to my wife, Salisa, and I said, sweetie. And I told her my story, and I said, how long do you think if it had been me in the garden, I could have made it without you? And she said, about an hour. <laughs> so I'm older, she's younger. No, I'm teasing. But when you get to Genesis 2, you don't feel like God's trying to squeeze something in a short period of time. Yes, there were six creative days. Do any of us really believe it would take God 24 hours? But what if he wanted to enjoy creation? And he did it a little longer than most of us think he might have done it. Let's not divide over this. Because when the six creative days were over, it was very good. The earth that's now without form and empty is now formed and it's full of plants. It's full of animals. It's full of people who are in his image. 
And then here's what the next three verses say, and they're in chapter two, but they should be in chapter one. Thus the heavens and earth were finished. And it's the seventh day. Doesn't say in God said. We have a description of the seventh day, and three times seventh day is mentioned. And seventh day is mentioned in the middle of all three sentences. And watch this. The pattern's broken. There is no evening and morning. How could we have read this our whole life and not notice there's no evening and morning? The pattern's broken. The door's open. Was there a literal evening and morning? Of course. But that's not the emphasis. Because this story is ultimately about God finishing his work and resting. It's not the rest of him being tired. It's the rest of accomplishments. It's the rest of enjoyment. And God wants us to have a pattern in our life where we work six days and we rest. And the Sabbath rest was a sign to the nation of Israel, to the pagans around them, that they served a creator God. But it was not only to remind them they had a creator God who worked six days and rested. It was to remind them that when they were in Egypt, they didn't have a rest. They worked continually. And now they're not only have a God who created them, they have a God who redeemed them. And our Sabbath day rest reminded them of that. But watch this. Oh, this is so good. We come to the writer of Hebrews and we come to the writer of Hebrews. Listen to this. This is the word of God. When we come to chapter three and chapter four of Hebrews, there's another Sabbath rest. And it's when each one of us quit Working for salvation and we rest in what God did in Christ. And when we rest in what God did for us in Christ, we enter into God's Sabbath rest, which pictures full and final salvation with God. So is it possible the door is open in Genesis on the seventh day? The reason there's no morning and evening and the reason the day doesn't end is because our salvation rest in Christ never ends. Wow! But to enjoy that Sabbath, you don't work for it. You trust in the work of another and that other is Jesus. And when you put your trust in him, it lets you rest. And this rest that you have in Christ will never end. The door is open for you and I not just enjoy a physical rest, but an eternal rest with God. Wow. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you in Christ's name. Amen. You're listening to audio from Hardin Baptist Church. For more audio content or other information about our church, please visit hardenbaptist.org.